Hello, I'm Nathan Fung, and this is Let's Find Out, a podcast about the history of Edmonton, Alberta, or Amiswachi Waskaigan, on Treaty 6 territory. We take questions from curious Edmontonians about local history, and then we find out the answers together. Let's Find Out is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. This episode, we're continuing our look at the old Mirama Dim Sum restaurant, a restaurant that used to be popular until its eventual decline. Now, I know last time I said I'd be looking more closely at the gang-related incident that happened in the restaurant in 2004, but I ran into a lot of problems, and as a result, it's not quite ready. But we do have something else in the meantime, and it starts with a Facebook comment that got the particular interest of our producer, Chris Chang and Phillips. So after we posted the first episode, we got a surge of like comments, mostly regarding to like nostalgia from people who went there or have fond memories of it. But we got this one comment that was particularly interesting to you, right? Yeah. So I posted the episode on my Facebook page, uh, and one of the people who responded was Mike Tully. Um, so for context, I work at CJSR, the community radio station on campus at the U of A. And Mike used to be our sound engineer. So I've met him a couple times in the context of putting out fires or he's like filling in and stuff. Um, I know him as someone who solves sound problems, um, which is context for what he said uh, on the post. He said, I provided sound for a couple of events at the Mirama. They were dinner slash concert slash live band karaoke benefit events to raise funds for pensions for ARVN veterans in Edmonton. Um, I, I guess I should admit, I actually had to Google um, which side of the Vietnam War ARVN referred to. Yeah. Um, so Army of the Republic of Vietnam, they, they were the, I guess I would think of them as maybe like the South Vietnamese side or the side that the Americans fought with. They were the losing side of the war. Um, so this was, uh, yeah, pretty fascinating to me to read that he helped out with benefit concerts for veterans who fought with that army. And it's just something that you didn't think of before, right? Yeah. I, I mean, uh, when I think of the Vietnam War, uh, like we hear a lot of narratives about American soldiers who came back from that war. And, um, you know, I, I've heard some stories about like the impacts of the war on civilians in Vietnam, but I've never heard stories about soldiers who are with the South Vietnamese Army and like what happened to them it, 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 it honestly had never really crossed my mind to to think like oh i wonder where, what those people are up to now and to surprise that there's an edmonton connection in that story too yeah the fact that there's an edmonton connection is interesting because um like i'm aware that there is a significant vietnamese population in edmonton but i think of it in the context of people whose families came here as refugees um because of the war, mm-hmm. not people who were combatants in the war. Uh, yeah, how fascinating to think of the people who were soldiers, fought with ARVN, and then, I don't know, like, uh, what do you do when you're a veteran who's, like, orphaned, sort of, um, by that war in the sense of, like, who's going to support you after that? Uh, like, we have Remembrance Day in Canada, um, but we've had basically like a continuous military, um, like we think of soldiers from World War One as being part of the same military as soldiers fighting today. And I, you know, the fact that he was 
the fact that Mike Tully was at this fundraising concert for veterans is really interesting to think about that all these people who fought for a state that no longer exists now, like what happens to them? They're, they're not going to get a pension from a government somewhere. I guess, but when you put it that way, I guess some, what some people might respond to is that they're, they're just like res- refugees like any other, maybe? Maybe. I don't know if, uh, yeah, I, I guess when I think of refugees who came from Vietnam in that time, I think of civilians fleeing violence. I don't think of people who were soldiers Combatants, at that time. Yeah. But maybe they did come here as refugees. I, I don't I don't know. It hadn't occurred to me. Hmm. What else were you thinking? Of, like, what else um, were you curious about from the story that Mike commented on? Well, so here's where I have like a gap in knowledge about Mike. I don't know how old he is, but him posting about this and thinking about like what those events must have been like, it makes me curious whether he was old enough to protest against the Vietnam War when he was younger. I don't know if he grew up in Canada or the U.S., but he might have been old enough to be in the hippie movement and be part of the peace movement then and if so what must it have been like to be in a room where like maybe he has a personal connection to that story um and he you know maybe showed up at some marches or demonstrations when he was younger and then he's in this room that's a benefit concert for these people who were fighting for a state that no longer exists and already it's quite awkward, I think, for veterans to talk about their experience with civilians. So that's got to be interesting. Like, did they talk about it at all? Did people, like, talk about it in a celebratory way or in, like, a mournful way? Uh, also, there's, like, the language barrier probably in the room or multiple language barriers. And then the additional, like, cheesiness of having karaoke <laughs> going on there. Um uh, what a fascinating and weird swirl of ingredients. Yeah, it's possible though that like the event was just to raise money for veterans themselves, but like they weren't actually in attendance. Oh, that's what I'm wondering. Yeah, yeah, maybe they weren't there. I don't know. I mean, it still sounds like a neat story either way. Uh, I mean, it, it'd be cool if like through that experience, Mike had a chance to interact with these veterans, or if not, though, it's still like. There's an Edmonton connection to it, and it also links into this topic I'm trying to look into. Yeah, yeah. Um, interesting that it seems to connect to this theme of the Miramar restaurant being tied to the Vietnamese community in Edmonton. Um, I didn't, I didn't realize it had that connection before you started digging into this. I reached out to Mike Tully, and he was willing to speak to us about what he remembers about these fundraisers, what they were like, and how he got involved in them. Now, I just want to note that, unfortunately, after several days of trying, neither Mike or I were able to get a hold of the actual organizers of these events. So it's just going to be Mike who will be sharing his perspectives with us today. We'll get to Mike in a minute, but first, this episode of Let's Find Out is brought to you by World on Fire, a new podcast from CBC Edmonton. World on Fire is a new five-part series that takes you to the front lines of -of out-of-control wildfires in Canada, Australia, and California. Recorded during the COVID-19 pandemic, hosts Adrian Lamb and Mike Flanagan look at what it takes to find hope in the midst of fear and destruction, and how communities affected by wildfires rebuild. Actually, a few years ago, we had Mike on the show before an episode about wildfires and climate change in Alberta. The series examines the high costs that wildfires cause to people's health, homes, and communities. You can find World on Fire on the CBC Listen app or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
You can also find it online at cbc.ca slash worldonfire. This episode is also brought to you by Taproot Edmonton, your source for community-driven coverage of our city cultivated by the community. Taproot has launched a service to answer your questions about Edmonton's response to the COVID-19 pandemic and our experiences of it. The idea is to help you understand this complex and quickly evolving topic with a succinct, well-sourced answers to any questions you might have. You can find the COVID-19 microsite at taprootedmonton.ca. Okay, I'm, I'm sort of looking through my old files and I haven't yet found, I guess it goes, uh, goes too far back. But uh, you're, you're looking into the Mirabar, and uh, about all I have on that is some recollections of those benefit concerts that used to be held there for the um, Army of the Republic of Vietnam veterans. Yeah. So Chris sort of, when he saw your comment, he, he was sort of really fascinated by it because his rationale is that, like, when we normally think of, like, uh, Vietnamese refugees coming to Edmonton or to Canada in general, we mostly think about the civilian population, but not about like actual combatants. Yeah. So that's sort of his fascination with it. And I think I thought it was fascinating, interesting too. And I was wondering if I could like pick your brains a little bit for what you could remember from back then. I'll be, be happy to give you what I can remember, which is going to be kind of spotty. Um, now, uh, I do not remember names, but I remember that these were uh, community community events uh, that generally featured big dinners and uh, uh, a lot of tables with uh, bottles of cognac and trays uh, uh, trays full of beer and uh, singing and a band. And the band would provide backup for singers. They would usually bring in a few singers or a couple of singers from Los Angeles, from the Vietnamese community there, mostly people who were known from work in movies and music video. And they would be the headliners whose names would be on the poster. But there would also be, as well as a local band, there'd be local singers. And uh, uh, the band definitely rehearsed the uh, the stars material in advance they knew what what songs these people were known for and they watched their music videos and and learned the music so they could back them in concert yeah and that's sort of i guess what you would be involved in because you were you were sort of helping with their yeah, sound i was right? i was providing pa system and sound for the band and the singers yeah um do you mind if we sort of if I just sort of like backpedal a little bit to sort of like sure. start at the beginning? So I guess what year would what years would this have been? Well, I'm I'm trying to find things from this. My own my business records only go back as far as about 2008, and uh, so all I can say for sure is that any concerts I did there were before 2008, and I don't seem to have any written records of them anymore. It's so weird where, where like things like that things even like just within like 10 or 20 years ago just even less than that it's already becoming hard to find <laughs> the history is slipping away very fast yeah if we don't archive it yeah 
Um, I guess, do you remember how you first got involved with these competitive mm. events? Yeah, I'm trying to remember who first contacted me, how I got connected to this this Vietnamese community. Uh, it it wasn't work that I went to seek out. I don't know how it started. The, the two people I remember the most were Denny Dien and Quan, whose full name I can't tell you, but Quan was uh, was the band leader and uh, keyboard player with the band. I would say most of these concerts, uh, the Miramar opened in about 90. Well, uh, it was it was fairly new when I was, was doing these concerts there. Big kitchen, it was a real pain loading in because everything had to go up a small elevator. <laughs> uh, let's see, distinct features. There were always the... Uh, yellow and red striped uh, uh, Republic of Vietnam flag. Like was there the flag, was a, sorry, was the flag like um, displayed at the event? Oh yeah, the, the Republic of Vietnam flag. Not the People's Republic of Vietnam, right? The the, the old flag, yellow with red stripes. Hmm. Um, as for, I guess, just going back to these benefit concerts, I guess, is there anything else then? Do you remember, that you remember like the bands itself? Or what? Mm. Were, how did the nights go? Uh, they were long. <laughs> they were long. Like from uh, six to I don't know ten. Oh, they wouldn't start as early as six. At, okay. at six o'clock, we'd be uh, maybe doing a sound check with the band, and uh, guests would maybe start to arrive after that. But things wouldn't really get going until about nine, and then they'd go until about uh, two or three a.m. Ooh, that that sounds pretty wild. And usually it was that you know I'd I'd be loading finished loading out of there by by four a.m. By four a.m. So I'm guessing you probably yeah. would have slept in the next day. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and so did most of the guests. I think. Yeah, if they had no work the next day, I imagine yeah. if they did, they would have left by then. Let's see. The musicians were great to work with. Uh, I remember one particular individual um, who was always referred to as. Colonel Nguyen, I believe, who looked so perfectly military. I imagine he must have been a uh, 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 a fearsome man to deal with when he was in command of, of his forces. <laughs> okay. Um, see, I was sort of, I think me and Chris were sort of confused as to what was the mood like at these events. Um, celebratory, but somewhat nostalgic. Okay. Uh, I'm sure there were conversations that went on that had to do with many things that, uh, sorry, I didn't understand any of them. I was just the, uh, the sound guy who only spoke English. <laughs> yeah. Um, but definitely people were having, having a good time. It seemed like a, a, a pretty happy community event and, and, uh, uh, there was a, a sort of a competitive spirit to contributing money to support the uh, the veterans. Mm-hmm. And I think you said in your comment that it was um, largely attended by wealthier Vietnamese. Uh, so it seemed. It seemed like uh, 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 people were people were well dressed. People were happy to be spending money and having it go to the cause. Okay. 
So I guess in your estimate, you would see that you think that these events were relatively successful in terms of raising money. I, I think they I, I think they raised significant amounts of money. Uh, mostly, I saw people buying roses to give to the singers to thank them for songs, and the roses would then get recycled and sold again and sold several times in the course of a night. <laughs> mm. I guess. Yeah, so I'm guessing it sounds like you wouldn't be able to understand a lot of what they're saying, and sort of too bad we weren't able to nope. get. I'm I, I'm sure there were discussions about all kinds of things, and I had no clue. Yeah, and uh, was happy to stay that way. It's just unfortunate because I I, I I wish we were able to get someone else who was there, but so yeah, yeah, it's just somebody that... who knew what was what was going on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. But uh, the only two people that I still have any contact info on, neither one of them has returned my calls. I think just to sort of change track a little bit, what was your perspective on the Vietnam War and like did these events sort of change it in any way? Like were you Um, a protester back when? Only slightly because, you know, I was somebody who um, went through advanced infantry training in the U.S. Army and then did not go to Vietnam, deserted from the U.S. Army and eventually came to Canada. because I did not want to fight in that war. And it was interesting seeing these these honored guests who obviously had fought in that war and, uh, well, would have been fighting on the same side that I would have been fighting on if I'd chosen to go there. Um, Naturally, I didn't discuss this with them. (laughs) <laughs> right. So I saw I saw that comment. So that made a lot more sense. So you were sort of an objector to to it back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, uh, deserted from the U.S. Army. Truth be told, I think Chris was sort of confused as to whether or not were you uh, raised in the USA or raised in Canada. So that's sort uh, of why. I was raised in, in well, I was the children of a, uh, the child of American parents who uh, worked for the U.S. government all over the world. So I was not actually raised that much in the U.S., though I did go to high school there. Okay. And to university for a couple of years before I came to Canada. Yeah. But, yeah, that's really interesting where you're sort of surrounded by people who, as you sort of said, you would have fought alongside with if you were sort of um, – if you did end up, like, fighting in that war. These would have been the allies that I was uh, there to supposedly help. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 people who I, you know, I, I tended to think of as the bad guys in that war. Mm. But in in the context of of these benefit concerts, they were just uh, retired soldiers. <laughs> yeah, I guess this is, would have been your only time where you would have had contact with um, soldiers from that side. Yes, definitely. Also, I don't think Canada um, deliberately sought out ex-Vietnamese military as immigrants. In fact, that might have been something that they were careful not to mention when they came to Canada. Mm. I don't know. I know that when I came to Canada, I was careful not to mention that I had deserted from the U.S. Army. And I imagine that, that they may have had you know, we, we may have had something in common there. Neither of us wanted to talk about our past military careers. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a weird, I guess, it's a t- weird twist if you want to put it that way. Yeah. But that sort of goes back into like sort of what you mo- you normally think of like Vietnamese immigrants as refugees or civilian refugees and not as the actual combatants. It's sort of yeah. not discussed as widely as 
as that narrative, I guess, of Canada welcoming thousands of refugees back in the late 70s. Yeah. Well, at, at least a few of them had been uh, high-ranking members of the, of the Vietnamese army. Although I, I suspect that most of those ended up in Los Angeles. So it was, it was interesting that a few of those people ended up here in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. And then it sounds like those who, um, th- those um, former members of the South Vietnamese Army who did stay behind Vietnam, like, were put through, like, camps and re-education, which... They were not treated really... well, no. Yeah. But um, it, it, in, in the eyes of the new government of, of the People's Republic of Vietnam, they were war criminals. So you said you did these events for several years, like three years, I think is what you told me before. Uh, oh, they went on. They went on over. Uh, but the the first couple of years of these events, which tended to happen about twice a year, were at the Miramar. Okay. And then later they moved to um, the Marco Polo on 97th Street. And then they moved to the... Emperor's Palace, I think it was called, uh, just off, just between 100 and 101 Street, just south of 100, that would have been about 106th Avenue. It was across the street from the uh, Brick Warehouse Furniture Store. Okay. So the, the concerts kept happening, uh, just not at the Miramar. Like after it closed? Yeah, after it closed. Were you still involved with those events then, or was is that just uh, yeah, you know? Yeah, okay. yeah, I did them at, at all of those places. I, I think the last one I did was at the Emperor's Palace, and I found that the uh, the restaurant owner who was supposed to be paying me was difficult to get money out of, so I oh. didn't really want to do those anymore. That's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is there anything else you remember from these events? Hmm. Um, I'm trying to remember more about uh, the Miramar itself because that's the real focus of your research, right? Well, I mean, uh, this uh, is yeah. I uh, I do remember one night uh, when we uh, we used a little too much electricity up there putting on the show between the sound and the lights, and we uh, we blew a main fuse for the building, and the whole building went dark. Oh. And we had to get an electrician come, to come in a hurry and replace the main fuse. Was this during an actual event? The actual yes. like, banquet? Wow. Yes. Okay, that's that would have put a, a dampener on the party. Yeah. Uh, they they got an electrician there to replace it surprisingly quickly. Okay. Well, that's good at least. Um, as for Mirama, I mean, I think this is a, a nice... This sort of ties into what... I've sort of been realizing is that like Mirama was such a like a, a a popular community hub. Yes, when it opened, that was the place to go. Mm-hmm. Everybody everybody went there for dim sum. Everybody went there for banquets. Everybody went there for celebrations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it also has that tied to the Vietnamese community, which we also didn't realize until until you mentioned it. Well, and and it was also in a whole building full of of uh, mostly Vietnamese and some Chinese businesses, which really felt like you were walking into uh, 
uh, a city somewhere in in Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. When you walked into that building, there was very little. There was some signage in English, but not much. Uh, there were gift shops and bookshops and souvenir shops uh, on the first and second floor of that building. Now let's see. The Miramar was on the third floor. Well, it was sort of like first floor mezzanine, and then the uh, top floor with the Mir- Miramar. I think it's the first floor. You have all the gift shops. The second floor, you have the restaurant, and the third floor is like reserved for special events. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And I, sort of the reason why I started this to begin with is that sort of like, you know, after after being fined for. I think it was fire code regulations. And after um, that violent incident that happened inside in 2004, like it sort of got a bad reputation. And then eventually yep. the the restaurant closed down and it just sort of the building itself sort of sat there for, I think, maybe at least nine to 10 years yep. or eight years, like just like sort of like fading in the sun and sort of people sort saw it as sort of like a wart in the. Yeah, every in, every every business moved out. Yeah. So it's interesting to remember a day when it was, when that wasn't the case, when it used to be. Oh, it was, yeah, it was exciting and happy and, and, and a, a vibrant community center uh, in its first couple of years. Mm-hmm. Sadly, it just didn't last. No. Yeah. Well, and, and perhaps it was because of that one incident. I don't know. Thanks for listening. Let's Find Out is produced by Chris Chang and Phillips, Trevor Chow Fraser, and me, Nathan Fung. Let us know what you think. Drop us a line at chris at letsfindoutpodcast.com. You can download all of our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find them on letsfindoutpodcast.com, where you can also sign up for our newsletter. Thanks again to Mike Tully and to everyone who's been supporting this podcast. Original music is by our own incredible Doug Hoyer. Until next time, keep your questions coming.